the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dot com slash commercials. The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy explains that God's grace saves us and makes us strong. Draw near confidently that God will give you what you need when you need to the degree that you need it. Be bold. Be respectful, but tell him what's on your heart. Remember, the one you're addressing understands the trials we're going through. Have you ever observed friends or family who display extra strength faith? They bounce back from some of the toughest trials. So where do they get such resilience? Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy reveals that God's grace is our source for supernatural strength. As we've been learning in this Total Grace series, there's grace that saves and there's grace that carries us through our daily lives, replacing our weakness with God's strength. We're in Hebrews chapter 4 to learn there's nothing weak and wimpy about grace. Let's join Philip now for today's message. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. We're trying to get our head around the whole concept of God's grace. We tend to have a very wimpy idea of grace. We tend to kind of believe that the front end of the Christian life is loaded up with grace. But that's true, but grace is much more than that. Grace is how God handles us in life and for all of eternity, those who put their trust in Him. And we want to broaden our understanding of grace and understand that the Christian life is really an expression of total grace. And we look at Ephesians 2, saving grace. And this week, we're going to look at strengthening grace. Grace doesn't just bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. It gives us the ability to keep our faith in Jesus Christ. And we can enjoy God's strengthening grace. It's found here in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. It's interesting. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 24 and verse 10, the Bible says this, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. But we have to acknowledge at times our strength is small. We get run down. Life drains us to the bottom of our resolve. But Here's the good news. We can be made strong. Our small strength can be swallowed up in his great strength. So let's look at our text. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Three things, the exhortation, the encouragement, and the expectation. Let's jump right in. The exhortation. What is the exhortation? It's let us hold fast our confession. Verse 14. In some ways, this whole letter is 
some spiritual smelling salts to revive them in their resolve to follow Jesus. Let us hold fast our confession, verse 14. That's what they're exhorted to do. Now, the word hold fast is an interesting Greek word. It's used in the Gospels to speak of people that clung to Jesus, like the woman who clung to him after his resurrection. That's our word. She grabbed him by the ankles almost. That's her word. She clung to him. And that's how it's used throughout the book of Hebrews. They're to remain committed to Christ. They're to hold fast. They're to cling to the Savior. This isn't just remaining committed to Jesus. This involves holding on to your public confession. Notice, hold fast to your confession of faith. There's nothing private about our faith in Jesus Christ. If you haven't gone public about your love for Jesus, you're not in a good place. Because if you don't confess him before men, he won't confess you before the Father. They're being exhorted to hold fast. Now, there's a price tag that comes with that. There's no doubt about it. The writer of this letter recognizes that, you know what, I'm asking you to stand in the firing line. But I'm going to give you reasons to do it. I'm going to encourage you as I exhort you. And he gives them two reasons, Jesus' supremacy and Jesus' sympathy. What's his point? as you read verse 14 and 15, seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That's one reason, Jesus' supremacy. And the second reason, Jesus' sympathy. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Here's what he's saying. I know you're tempted to go back, but that would be utter folly. Why would you go back to the old covenant when Jesus has ratified a new covenant in his blood? Why would you go back to the temple when in Jesus Christ God is tabernacling, dwelling among us? Why would you go back to the blood of bulls and goats that can only temporarily cover your sin when, behold, the Lamb of God has appeared to put away sin? Jesus is better than all of that. His covenant is more perfect and his sacrifice more full. Why would you go back? So let's look at these two thoughts quickly. Jesus' superiority and Jesus' sympathy. This is the encouragement to hold fast and hold forth. When you understand who he is, his supremacy, then why wouldn't you hold forth your confession? So you've not only got that as a motivation, you've got secondly, Jesus' sympathy. Jesus' sympathy. That's verse 15. See then that you have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. That's the great high priest. That speaks of his humanity and his deity. Jesus, that's the man, the Son of God. Jesus who is one person, two natures, fully God, completely man. If he's going to bridge the gulf between man and God that sin has created, he needs to be Jesus, the Son of God. Because half the bridge is humanity and half the bridge is deity. And if he's going to represent man to God and God to man, he needs to be both. And he is. And that's the beauty of this. And it leads to this idea of his sympathy because the writer would want to quickly dispel the idea, well, he's exalted. He's passed into the heavens. He's beyond reach. That's a whole different world. That takes him out of my world. He can't identify with where I'm at. 
And the writer anticipates that because he's exalted Christ, right? He's the great high priest, passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. But he qualifies, look at verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, speaking of that same person, where he is, who he is. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. As we think about his exaltation and his vindication, don't be getting the idea that he's aloof, he's distant, and he doesn't understand. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The one who sits on the throne is a sympathetic, faithful, and merciful high priest. That's why the hymn writer said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. In fact, just this week, I was reading a great story by Jill Briscoe, excellent woman teacher. Her and her husband, Stuart, originally from England, but adopted the United States like we have, lived most of their life in Wisconsin, built a large church there called Elmbrook. She's written many books. My wife, June, likes to read Jill Briscoe. When the Balkan Wars were going on between the Croatians and the Serbs and in that part of Europe, she was in Croatia, and she was at a kind of church-come-seminary where refugees from the war had fled. They were several streets back, so they were out of sniper range, but they could hear firing going off in the distance. They could hear some explosions because the battlefield wasn't that far away. They were near the border between Croatia and Serbia. And she ministered to these refugees. She was to speak later to them, and the more she watched them and tried to think about what they had gone through. She wasn't comfortable with the message she had prepared. And so throughout the afternoon, she was praying simply to the Lord that the Lord would give her something creative and something appropriate to address. So I'll I'll let her say what she said. I told him about Jesus, who as a baby became a refugee. He was hunted by soldiers and his parents had to flee to Egypt at night, leaving everything behind. I could tell the people began to click with what I was saying. I kept praying like crazy. I continued telling them about Jesus' life. And when I got to the cross, I said, he hung naked, not like the pictures you see on the cards. They knew what that meant. Some of them had been stripped and searched and tortured. At the end of the message, I said, all these things have happened to you you are homeless. You have had to flee. You've suffered unjustly. You didn't have a choice. He had a choice. He knew all this would happen to him, and still he came. And she went on to preach the cross. She went on to preach the gospel, and people began to kneel and weep and stretch out their hands towards God for mercy. Because they were introduced to a God who has suffered and who can bear our pain. And my friend, when push comes to shove, And when our testimony for Jesus Christ is on the line and our commitment to the gospel is being challenged, we need to hold fast and hold forth. And we need to do it with these twin truths ringing in our ears. Jesus is superior. This is worth it. And Jesus is sympathetic. He understands. Let's bring us to our last thought. Not only do you have the exhortation and the encouragement for a few moments, what I call the expectation. This is verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's an expectation. Given his superiority and the fact that he's passed into the heavens for us, that he's at the right hand of God making intercession for those who will come to him. Given the fact that when you come to him, you're not coming to a throne of 
granite. You're coming to a throne of grace, which means he's going to deal with you graciously. Then shouldn't you have certain expectations? Yeah, you're going to obtain mercy and you're going to find grace. There's an expectation. That's beautiful. And I'm glad there's both those things. It's a bit like Psalm 23, verse 6, right? Goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. I love it. Grace for our steps. Mercy for our stumbles. Grace for tomorrow and today. Mercy for yesterday and our regrets. Grace to do right. Mercy when we do wrong. It's all precious. It's all ours if we'll come for it. And here's another expectation. Not only that you'll obtain mercy and find grace, but these things together will help you in your time of need. Write down Acts 27, verse 17. We don't have time to go there, but Acts 27, 17, Paul is on a ship in a storm on his way to Rome, and they're facing shipwreck. The storm is so violent that the boat's beginning to come apart. And in Acts 27, verse 17, you'll read about the fact that they get cables to underguard the ship. So in that day, when a ship was in trouble, they put chains or large cables under the hull of the ship, brought it up on both sides of the ship, and tightened them to hold the ship together. Now, the word cable in Acts 27, 17 is the same Greek word as help in Hebrews 4, 16. In fact, you have an old King James, and good for you if you have. You'll read, it uses the word helps, and they used helps to undergird the ship. The ship was helped. It was helped to stay together by the cables and undergird it. What a beautiful picture. The storm-tossed soul can go to the throne of grace and find someone there who understands their problems and their pressures and who wants them to obtain mercy and obtain grace that will allow them to stay strong in the storms of life. How are we to come? We're to come constantly, candidly, and confidently. We can run through this quickly. Constantly. Go back to our text. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. The word means face-to-face with. Speaks of intimacy. Beautiful. Come on. Come in close. Tell me what's going on. It's kind of the picture of a father, isn't it? In which Jesus says that's what God is to us, and we can go and pray to him through his son. But here's the point I want you to get. The word come is in the present tense in the Greek. Let us therefore come and come and keep coming and obtain mercy and mercy and more mercy and grace and grace and more grace and all the help you need. Because there's always more grace for the humble and the needy. James 4, verse 6, right? Here's the thought. God has all the grace we need for as long as we live. And we can keep coming. So you can come constantly. You know, when it comes to certain commercial establishments, they have opening hours. You know, and some are open all the time, but many are not. You know, maybe open from 7 in the morning to seven at night or six in the morning to nine at night. I don't know about you, but I, I've got to some of those just a minute or two late. I remember at Starbucks, I was up in Boise, Idaho preaching. I was kind of by myself. It was late at night. I took a hankering. I didn't know the area that much and, you know, got to a Starbucks. I, I didn't realize it. Was, or no, I looked it up and I think it was nine o'clock and I got there for like one minute past nine. 
And I stood outside the door again, weeping, nodding, but, uh, you know, it was a kind of bummer of a moment. I was by myself, couldn't even get my favorite drink. Past the opening hours, you can come to Starbucks, you can come to your bank, and you can go to Target and go to Walmart at certain hours. But the throne of grace, opening hours, 24-7. Every week of the year, every year of your life, you'll never exhaust the grace of God. And you're to come candidly. The word bold here means frank, open, honest. It's a Greek word that was used of free speech. In fact, one commentator, Neil Lightfoot, says it's a word, it's a kind of combination word that means full story. So come and tell the great high priest your full story. And speak candidly. Speak openly. Speak emotionally. Speak frankly. And I I'm not saying to speak disrespectfully. Even though it's a throne of grace, it's still God you're addressing. Be careful. Always hallow his name. But in the middle of all of that, speak your heart and tell him your problem and you're tired and you've had enough. And you don't know where you're going to get the next ounce of energy or the, the, the next ability to resolve and stay faithful. Uh, draw constantly near and draw candidly near. In fact, Spurgeon, speaking of this very text and this very idea of coming boldly, says this, prayer pulls the rope below and the great bell rings above. He's got the idea of an English manner. If you've watched maybe something on PBS, you'll see that when someone's standing in a beautiful English manner beside their bed, there's like a rope and they can tug it and the bell goes off in the quarters of the servants and they deliver them, you know, whatever it is, tea and toast. That's his image. Prayer pulls the rope below and the great bell rings above. Some scarcely stir the bell. They pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck on the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man or the woman who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all their might. You know, love it. Don't go sheepishly to God. Be bold. Be respectful. But tell Him what's on your heart. Remember, the one you're addressing, He knows the temptations we face. He understands the trials we're going through. And the same God that strengthened him in the garden of Gethsemane when he was tempted to give up will strengthen you when you've had enough. Draw near constantly. Draw near candidly. Draw near confidently that God will give you what you need when you need to the degree that you need it. In fact, this can be literally translated help at the right time. Let's read it that way. I think it's beautiful. That we may obtain mercy and find grace and help at the right time. Timely help. It's help that's tailored to our need and timed to the hour of testing or temptation we're going to go through. I love Deuteronomy 33:25. As your days, so shall your strength be. Whatever that day is, crying babies, prodigal sons, Friday afternoon when you're handed a pink slip, the betrayal of friends, you feel the very breath of hell itself breathing down on your neck in spiritual warfare. As your days, so shall the strength you need be given to you. Timely help. Corrie ten Boom 
Wonderful woman of God. If you don't know her story, get to know her story. Dutch family. Her and her father and her sister and her brother hid Jews during the Second World War. They were betrayed by a friend. They were rounded up with the Jews who were in their home and sent to a concentration camp. Her father dies, her brother, her sister, Betsy. She escapes in a providential mystery where it was a clerical error and she's let go before she was planned to be killed. When she was young, never anticipating what would come, she said to her father, Dad, I don't think, right now, I don't feel that if if ever push came to shove and I had to die for Jesus, I couldn't do it. I don't think I have the strength to do that, the, the bravery, the courage. To which her father replied, he said, you know what, Corey, when we leave Harlem here to go to our loved ones in Amsterdam, when we go to the train station, when, when do I give you the money for the train? Well, she says, Dad, when we get there, you give me the money for the train. I buy my ticket at the train station just before we get on the train for Amsterdam. Here's what her father said. Well, Corey, that's right, and so it is with God's strength. Our wise Father in heaven knows when you are going to need things too. Today you do not need the strength to be a martyr, but as soon as you are called upon for the honor of facing death for Jesus, he will supply the strength you need just in time. Right out of Hebrews 4, just in time, where you can obtain mercy and find grace to help you in the hour of your greatest temptation or trial. It's a wonderful thing. Saving grace is a wonderful thing and strengthening grace is a wonderful thing. Two facets to the gem of God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time in the Word. What a beautiful passage. What a great reminder. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Lord, we thank you we can be strong. We can be made strong. We don't want our strength to be small in the day of adversity. I thank you for our great high priest who endured the cross and despised the shame. We thank you he can strengthen us to carry our cross and live faithfully in our day until we too have crossed the finish line and join him in heaven itself. Lord, we pray these things and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy and the conclusion of a message titled Made Strong from our Total Grace series. Here at Know the Truth, Philip delivers these faith-fortifying messages on grace to encourage you to exchange your weakness for God's strength. You'll find each broadcast archived on our website at ktt.org. There you can listen anytime or download messages to send to a friend. You can also purchase the current series on CD to use in your small group or new believers class. As Philip shared, grace is the central message of the gospel. It's by grace that we have been saved from sin and death through faith in Jesus Christ. But God's extravagant grace doesn't just cover our sins. It covers our lives and makes us strong. And today, we hope you'll reach out to us at Know the Truth to get this month's resource, a book titled Grace-Focused Optimism. This is a resource that we encourage you to read in tandem with Philip's current series. In this soul-stirring book, author C.L. Chase invites you to adopt a positive, biblical mindset. 
Don't live down in the dumps when you can lay hold of God's grace for a life of hope and irrepressible joy. The book is yours when you support the ministry of Know the Truth. Make a generous donation and request Grace-Focused Optimism when you call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. And if you prefer to send a check, write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Now, with the arrival of the new year, we're making new ministry plans, and we want you to weigh in. So take the Know the Truth listener survey. It's your chance to let us know how we can serve you best. You'll find the survey online at ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd signing off for today, but come back tomorrow when we'll be learning to speak the truth with grace. That's Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you signed up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program that's been around for 25 years, and they have hundreds of thousands of members all across the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $1 billion of each other's medical bills. Best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money. Think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have a lot to offer? Well, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.